Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. I'm just reading a news flash here on my watch, whatever you call it, Fitbit. Breaking news. UK expected to ban the Chinese-owned TikTok app. Oh, on government-issued phones and devices. They're not going to ban. <laughs> I thought they were going to ban it in the UK for everyone. How that's come about, I think some MPs, members of Parliament, they've been TikToking stuff and whatever, and they reckon that China apparently or allegedly can see or find out what they're saying. I, I'm not too sure of that. In the old days, we didn't have TikTok. When I was a boy, we didn't have Facebook and all that nonsense. Oh, by the way, I'm thinking of coming off Facebook. Did you see I put that on the Facebook page for Ray's Rants? I'm thinking of coming off Facebook. There's so many adverts on my kind of home page or whatever it's called. You scroll down and there's adverts and rubbish, all sorts of stuff that I'm not interested in. I have to keep scrolling down to find if any family or friends have put anything on Facebook that I want to see. And I've told Facebook, I said to them, look, I've had enough of your adverts. They didn't answer. They can't be bothered. So I'm thinking of getting rid of the, the thing altogether. So... I mean, it doesn't matter that I'm not on Facebook, does it, with Ray's rants, because it's the podcast, that's what it's all about, and you can easily find those. But um, hang on, let me just check, I've got here my lists, look, what's all this? Disco dancing lessons, I'm not quite sure. Grammar school, uh, oh dear, I'll have a look at all that in a minute. Let's start with the weather forecast, which is, no, sorry, the weather report, which is 10 degrees centigrade. Oh, hang on, it's up past nine Thursday, 16th, March 23. Half past nine in the morning. And we've got sunshine and blue sky at long last. 10 degrees centigrade, 50 Fahrenheit. 93% humidity, which I think is quite damp. 1008 millibars. The wind, where's the old Union flag out there? Rat round the pole. Wind's coming from the west. Well, breeze anyway, coming from the west. Right, I'm just going to check through these notes and see what's going on. Do you remember Gary mentioned, I told you on Wednesday, I think Gary was talking about the BBC and suggested that if they stopped doing the news, it would save them millions, if not billions of pounds a year. And they could get on with decent stuff like drama, documentaries, and whatever, and sport and whatever. Well, a lot of you have responded to that, at least two, two of you. <laughs> no, no, more than two. Quite a few of you actually have responded the BBC, in general, this is the, the kind of consensus, the BBC used to be brilliant. You go back to the 40s, the 50s and the 60s, they were renowned worldwide for being truthful, impartial, a great source of news, not only um, in Britain, but abroad. People used to listen to the World Service. All around the world, everyone listened to the World Service. You know, that's where they got their news from. It was unbiased. It was genuine stuff. Well, presumably, well, I think people say it was. I don't suppose they lied. I'm not saying they lie now, do they? One wonders. No, no. Seriously, world-renowned for being brilliant. And I don't know what's happened, but several of you have said that there's been some decline over the past few years, decades, where it all seems to have gone wrong. And there's this, what is it, defund the BBC set up now. Is it some group of people? Defund the BBC, stop paying the licence. All this Gary Lineker stuff. Didn't have anything like that in the old days, well, not that I remember. And it does seem such a shame that a 
a world-renowned organisation like the British Broadcasting Company, what? No, corporation, isn't it? What, don't you know? Should end up like this in, uh, well, what seems to be a dreadful state of affairs. It's such a shame. When I was a boy, here we go, when I was a boy in the 50s, the 60s, I used to listen to the World Service from the BBC on shortwave broadcast bands. And you could hear, it was great because you'd hear a BBC transmission from somewhere down in the Pacific Ocean, some island somewhere, and they'd be transmitting to, say, South America. And it was great if I could hear that transmission, which wasn't meant for here, it was meant for, say, South America. It was great shortwave listing, you know, tuning around and logging these things in a an exercise book. That's when I was a budding nerd. I'm now a fully-fledged nerd, and I, st- <laughs> I still do that. I tune around shortwave, trying to hear stations from far away, and it's brilliant fun. But, of course, the BBC closed down a lot of the stations around the world, the relay stations, because people were going onto the internet. So they thought, well, it's a lot cheaper to put out stuff on the internet than it is to have all these transmitter sites all dotted around the globe, which is true in the majority of cases. But some people, and I don't know who or where they are, I can't remember, I did read this some years ago. There are some people, say somewhere in Africa or wherever they are, South America somewhere, they don't have the internet to hand, so they've only got radio. And if the BBC, you know, they close down all the, the relay stations, they can't hear the World Service anymore. So that's a shame. It's all to do with money, isn't it, at the end of the day? It must cost a fortune to run a, say, a million watt shortwave transmitter in some remote place, the back of beyond, <laughs> some godforsaken place. It must cost a fortune to run it and man it and maintain it. And I suppose they thought, well, I just bung stuff out on the internet. It'll save millions, which is true, but it just seems a shame. But there we are. That's progress, as they say. Yeah, I'm not sure I want progress. Not all, all the time, anyway. I suppose the thing is with this license fee that people don't want to pay anymore. We've got uh, Netflix. I said all this Wednesday, didn't I? Netflix and what is it? YouTube. But I don't know. All these channels, loads of channels where you can get everything and you pay for it, and then you've got to pay extra for the BBC. You don't have to. Apparently, you can stop paying your licence if you don't watch the BBC. I think what happens is, say you've got a cable thing, a cable TV thing, you can stop BBC on your package, your cable package. You don't want the BBC. And if you do that, you don't have to pay the licence fee. The thing is, a lot of the BBC stuff is good. In the old days, again, when I was a boy, I used to like the... Well, they had David Attenborough back then, didn't we? Way, way, way back then, David Attenborough in the 50s. I forget when he started. But programmes like that, as a kid, I used to love. A lot of documentaries they used to have and drama. It was good stuff. So the BBC isn't all just sort of, as people say, you know, biased news and stuff. (laughs) I'm not saying that. Other people are saying that. I've got to cover myself, haven't I? I'm not saying anything. Everything I say on the podcast is nothing to do with me. I'm just telling you what other people say. <laughs> no, seriously, it, uh, the BBC does have some very good uh, programming, some very good drama and stuff like that, and it would be a shame to lose that. One thing has just come to mind, um, Autumn Watch, Winter Watch and Spring Watch, all about wildlife with uh, Chris Packham, Michaela Strachan. I mean, that's a brilliant programme. That must cost a lot of money. 
They've got all these cameras hidden around in the woods and stuff. I don't know whether you've ever seen it, but that must cost money. And I think this was Gary's point, wasn't it? Spend more money on that sort of thing, more time and money on that, and forget the news. I mean, the news is depressing most of the time anyway. And if you want news, then, well, you can go on your iPhone, your iPad, you, well, even on my Apple Watch. No, it's not Apple, is it? It's Fitbit. I get the news flashes on there. Why do I need BBC News? Anyway, let's move away from the BBC News for a minute. And uh, what shall I go on about next? Hang on, let me have it. I know, coffee time. No, I'm not going to slurp it, Bob. <laughs> we've still got Gary bashing around in the... Uh, we've got another news flash. No, that's an email this time. That's just rubbish. We've still got Gary, not uh, Gary Lineker, <laughs> Gary the tortoise bashing around in the other room. He's desperate to get out. We have put him outside little bit of sunshine. In fact, the sun's out now and it is warming up. So we're going to put him outside again for a while. And he loves to wander around. Now, the thing is, this is funny. He's got a ramp because he, in the summer he lives in the shed. He's got a lovely place in the shed with his heat lamp and his everything. You know, it's a mansion. And he's got a, a hatch and a ramp where he comes out and he can wander around the garden or go back in at his leisure, which is great for him. Now, when we put him in the garden the other day, the first thing he did, this is weird, he ran, because he does run, he is really fast, like that, running down the path towards the shed. He went up his ramp, so we opened the hatch and he went in. And he remembered, because I was saying to Trish, do you think he will remember the garden? Because some of it would change now, the rabbits have gone. And he did, he ran all the way the length of the garden to the shed and up the ramp. So he does remember things. Isn't that strange? Do you find that fascinating? No, you're saying it's boring. <laughs> I find it interesting, actually, that a tortoise, I mean, his brain must be so tiny, tiny. But he remembered the garden after, what, three months of hibernation and being in here. That's amazing. Talking of the garden, I think I told you how frog spawns died. All of it's gone now. It's dead. What a shame. I think what I'll do next year when they lay the, the spawn far too early, you know, when it's icy and frosty, I think what I'll do, I'll hook it out of the pond, put it into a bucket, and then stick that under the patio roof where it's not quite so, well, there's no ice or frost there, and hopefully get it to survive that way, because being in the pond, I don't know, it just seems rather odd they should lay. Why not wait until April or May and then do the frog spawning business? Uh, so, oh, Gary... Will you stop it? He's back. Can you hear him? What is he trying to escape now? Trying to knock the door down. He's got everything in there. Heat lamp, food, his bedroom box. He's got a huge area of substrate, you know, soil and stuff. He's got everything in there. He wants to go in the garden. I think I'm going to have to take him out there in a minute. Just been in to have a look at him. And he's bashing around. As soon as he saw me, he stopped. And he just looks as if to say, yes, and... What do you want? I'm not doing anything. He's wrecked the place. The substrate is all over the place. Right, he's definitely, going, he's definitely going in the garden now. Well, it's now the following day. It's now Friday. I did put him in the garden and he absolutely loved it. And that gave me the opportunity of doing some work out there, getting some work done. Sadly, today, Friday, it's pouring with rain. I started to uh, oil our wooden bench. We bought a new bench with linseed oil, boiled linseed oil lovely stuff smells nice and of course I thought I'd finish off today and it's pouring with rain not to worry 
just going back to the TV license, the BBC license for a minute, it first it was first introduced, I'm pretty sure, in the mid-40s, uh, late 40s. It was to coincide with the end of the war and the BBC came back on air sort of thing with the TV. And the television license also included a license to receive radio. So if you had a radio, you needed the license for that which was a bit daft. I mean, I don't know why they did that. But from 71, I remember it was 1971, the radio licence was done away with. You didn't need that. It was just TV licence. I don't know what the price was. I remember the colour, the television licence. When did that come out? In the 60, late 60s? That was an extra fiver on top of the ordinary black and white telly licence. Extra five pounds a year. And of course, the trouble is with the with the BBC, as I said earlier, everyone now is paying for cable or satellite or whatever they've got. And the TV licence is extra on top. And now only announced, I believe, this morning, they're putting the price of the TV licence up next year. After all the trouble we've just had, you know, the Gary Lineker business and all that, whatever's been going on there. They're now going to put the TV licence up. Uh, what was it? Another another £13 a year, I believe. What is the thinking with the BBC, with the people? The timing. Why announce that now? Perhaps it was announced earlier and I just hadn't heard, but social media this morning is full of this new thing. Oh, the BBC are putting the licence up extra £13 a year from next year. So why announce that now? It does seem odd. I don't know why people uh, take MPs. They don't think before they go and say things. They don't seem to think. It's like the BBC. If you're going to announce a licence increase, well, don't do it in the middle of a load of controversy about the cost of the licence and most people want to do away with it. Anyway, there we are. I just thought I'd update you on the the latest business with the TV licence. Not that you're interested. No, actually, some people abroad outside the UK, I know you are interested in things like that, judging from all your emails and stuff anyway. Of course, the funny thing was, back in the early days, had to pay for a a car radio licence, for example, and most people of my age in their cars, they listen to Radio Luxembourg, Fab 208. Who remembers Luxembourg on 208? So we didn't even <laughs> we didn't even listen to the BBC, and yet you had to. I was going to say we had to pay a license. We didn't pay it. I don't recall any of my friends actually buying a license for the radio they had in the car or their transistor radio that took down the beach. I certainly didn't buy a license. I wasn't going to do that. And also, of course, we listened to the pirates, Radio London, Radio Caroline, and all the the many many other pirate radio stations. So we didn't listen to the BBC. BBC Home Service, BBC Light Programme, and the third programme, which was classic, classical music. That was it. Well, we weren't going to, you know, teenagers aren't going to pay for that, are they? (laughs) Well, especially when they're not even listening to it. In 1975, I went to America, went to California, Los Angeles. Fantastic for three weeks. Fantastic. First thing I did when I got there, we stayed at a relations house. First thing I did have you got a transistor radio? He said, yes, they are. Lent me a transistor radio. And I tuned around what they call AM. We call it medium wave. And there was on the dial, as you turn the dial, station after station after station. It was absolutely amazing. All these stations on there. 
because all we had, well, up until when did it, uh, when did commercial radio come out? I can't remember. But all we had, as I said, were the three BBC programmes the Home Service, which was all news and discussions, and the Archers, and Mrs. Dale's Diary. Who remembers Mrs. Dale's Diary? Oh, there was Listen with Mother. That was early 50s when I was very young. I used to like Listen with Mother on the radio where some lady or other, who was she? I can't remember her name. Well, I wouldn't, I was too young. But she told stories to little ones. That was great. Then we had uh, the third programme, which was all classical music. Then the light programme, which was light entertainment. That was it. Basically, we had three radio stations in the UK. And of course, in America, I'm tuning around, and there's station after station. It was absolutely amazing. I remember coming home, and thinking, you know, why can't we have this? Why can't we have such a choice? And also, this was before the days in 75, this was before the days when we had loads of channels like we do now on the TV. Out there, they had hundreds, well, I did about hundreds, but uh, I remember someone saying out there that in cities, you know, in like New York and stuff, they've got hundreds of channels, even where we were in Los Angeles. Where did we stay? Near Sierra Madra somewhere. And they had a load of uh, TV stations, a load of channels, which was fantastic. Getting back home and listening to our radio and looking at our TV, we had three channels. What was it? I had Channel 4 started by then. BBC One, BBC Two and ITV. I think, I don't know when Channel 4 came in, but that was it. (laughs) If you don't like it, lump it. (laughs) Or go down the pub instead. That's the better idea. And of course, now we have got more channels on TV and on radio. And it's not station after station. It's rubbish after rubbish, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Honestly, we have so many TV channels which are full of repeats of repeats of repeats. We've seen it. We know the script off by heart of many of the programmes. Dad's Army, Poirot, Midsummer Murders, Death in Paradise... Keeping up appearances, we've seen them all a hundred times each and the rest. In the 50s, well certainly before the 50s, 30s, 40s, 20s, people had pianos, didn't they? Not every house had a piano. We did. When I was a kid, we had a piano and we bought it from someone (laughs) down the road. Do you know what it cost? Sixpence. They said you can have it for sixpence if you take it away. And I remember some of my dad's friends must have been struggling up the road with this blasted piano, put it in our lounge. But it was great. Everyone had a piano. Trouble is, no one in our house could play it. My grandmother had a piano and she could play it. She could read music and play it properly. And I remember being there. It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't really exciting. Nothing on the TV. Well, that that makes a change, doesn't it? Nothing on the TV of any interest. So we all got round the piano. And we had to sing, what was it, Doing the Lambeth Walk, was it? I can't remember the words. And I had to, oh, I don't know. I remember thinking, what am I doing here? I must have been about eight years old, maybe ten years old. What am I doing? Standing around a piano with other members of the family singing the Lambeth Walk. <laughs> but that's what they did in the old days, the early, early old days. That's what they did. All gather around the piano, make their own entertainment. Because then radio came along and then eventually television. But uh, that's not something I was very keen on doing. Whenever we went there, oh, here we go. Grandma's on the piano again. I did have piano lessons myself back in the, oh, where are we? The 70s, I suppose, 70s, 80s. 
and I was getting on well. I was beginning to read music. I was doing really well. And then my piano teacher decided she was going to run off with her boyfriend to London. (laughs) So that was the end of that. No, I did have another piano teacher. I moved on to another one, elderly lady, which most of them were. And sadly, she passed away. And I think I did, in fact, a few years later, have a third piano teacher, again, elderly lady, and she had to go into a home. So I never did (laughs) learn to play the piano, not for want of trying. We had music lessons at school in the early 60s, and uh, that was very much a waste of time, total waste of time. One or two of the children in the class had a piano at home. But the rest of us, I think by the 60s, pianos had gone. You know, we got rid of ours at home and they'd gone. But one or two kids, I remember one friend of mine, he had a grand piano, not a baby grand, a full-size grand piano, or his parents did, in their lounge. They had a huge house. And I remember going there with him and he was playing something on the piano and his mother said, if you're not going to play it properly, don't play it at all. And I thought he'd been playing it. It was amazing, really well but his mother didn't seem to think it was good enough. And the music teacher, he concentrated on the sort of two or three children that had pianos at home. The rest of us, like me, do you know what he gave me? A recorder. I had to blow into this recorder and make noises. And I remember really annoying him because I managed to do Bar Bar Black Sheep. Have you any wool? And he didn't like that. Anyway, I couldn't play the recorder. Blasted thing didn't seem to work properly. When I was in primary school, about six years old, I was in the orchestra. (laughs) Can you believe six-year-old kids in an orchestra? And I had a triangle. And every now and then, when the teacher, she was doing the conducting, she'd point at me and I'd have to go ding on this triangle. I just stood there for the whole time waiting, looking round. And of course, every now and then, I didn't see her. She'd point at me. And I'm just looking round, looking out the window. What are they doing out there? What are those people doing outside? And I'm meant to be dinging, and I'm not. <laughs> Happy days indeed. The day I dreaded most at school was sports day. I was not into sports. I'm not the athletic type. And we had to do egg and spoon. This is at primary school. Egg and spoon race. I mean, what is the point? I just couldn't work out what the idea was. Why run along with an egg in a spoon? You're going to drop it. I don't know. Other kids cheated. (laughs) I saw them holding the egg in place. I don't know what the point of that was. And running. I was absolutely hopeless at running. I I looked like some sort of windmill flying along the grass when I ran. And I was always last. I kind of resigned myself to the fact that whatever we did, I'd be last. And I think I did it deliberately sometimes. That way no one would take any notice of me. Oh, look, so-and-so's won again every single time. So-and-so wins. And I just sort of stroll, well, not stroll, but, you know, I trot along behind and come in last. <laughs> I hated sports day. And then we were forced to play football. I, I was never into football. Some of the kids were. They loved it. And a couple of the, you get two captains and they choose their team. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? And I'd be standing there staring at something over the other side of the, the football pitch. What's going on over there? What's that teacher doing? And I'd be the last, this friend of mine and myself, we'd be the last two standing. And then one would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll have him. Oh, I'll have to have him then. And this friend of mine, Trevor, and myself, he used to go in goal. And I was, is it a full back? And I'd lean on the, on the goal poster, we're having a chat. 
and the ball would just roll, did, 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 bump straight into the back of the net. And there'd be a lot of shouting. What, what are they shouting? Oh, oh, that was a goal. We, we missed it. We were having a chat. <laughs> and the ball just, I remember that one time. It was really slow. It just rolled towards the, the goalie, this Trevor, straight past him into the net. Of course, they're all moaning. <laughs> Dear. We didn't play football. I played truant most uh, Friday afternoons when it was sport. I wouldn't have minded having a go at cricket, but we weren't allowed. And something, we did have a couple of nice tennis courts. I would like to have had a go at tennis, but again, we weren't allowed. I don't know why we weren't allowed to, because it was a secondary modern school for boys. And we'd all failed our 11 plus exam. So who was the tennis courts for? People would play there. Some boys would play there. And I used to think, well, how come they can play and I can't? Are they better than me? What's the difference between them and me? Anyway, apart from the fact I used to play truant and they didn't. And hockey, I don't know why I'm going on about games, nothing to do with the BBC. Oh, we had uh, oh, hockey, yeah, that was dreadful. BBC programmes on the telly. Um, television for schools, that's what it was called. And we'd all sit down in this classroom and watch some boring <laughs> documentary or whatever. But what we used to do, well, not me, kids would stick drawing pins through the aerial cable, the coax, outside the window in playtime, stick drawing pins through it to short out the, the aerial signal, and then the telly wouldn't work. <laughs> so we'd just all sit in this class while the teacher fiddled about with the telly and scratched his head. I don't know. I think we'd been better off watching the telly, to be honest, because it was boring just watching him play around with the thing. Trisha and I watched one of these short films... Um, was it talking tele talking pictures, the old TV stuff that they show from the fifties and the sixties, and it was a, a comprehensive school, one of the first comprehensive schools where boys and girls were taught together, and they had all the boys in the metal workshop, working on lathes and drilling and milling machines and all that, and then they showed the girls in domestic science classes, and the girls are cooking, they're sewing, they're knitting. They're making dresses from patterns and ironing and stuff like that. They were, as I've always said all my life, my school churned out factory workers and my sister's school churned out would-be housewives. All because we all failed the 11 plus. I, mean, I failed the 11 plus because I didn't know we were taking it. No one told me it was 11 plus. Well, I failed. Mind you, I would have failed anyway. <laughs> they told me or not, I would have failed I couldn't do exams. I did one exam. We had to write a story, an essay. I came top. Out of 40-odd boys in the class, I was first. I got top marks for my essay. I was really pleased with that. I think that's the only thing in my life that I've ever, <laughs> ever been top at. I don't know. Do you know, I've still got this cough. Dreadful. I remember one teacher... I forget what he taught. Was it geography or science? No, not science. I got on well with him. I came fourth in science. That was good. I was interested in that. I think it was a geography teacher. He said to me, do you know, when you leave school, you become a doctor. And I looked at him and I thought, wow. Then he said, he just added, if you weren't so stupid, <laughs> you can't say that to kids. You can become a doctor if you weren't so stupid. I took an exam this was when I'd left school. I went on to college, electronics and that. And as I went into the exam room, the lecturer chap was outside the door saying to everyone, good luck, yeah, good luck, Smith. Good luck, Jones. Good luck in the exam. 
As I went past him, he, he looked at me and he said, you won't pass. <laughs> he did. And I thought you, well, it doesn't matter what I thought. Anyway, I didn't fail at all. I passed with uh, pretty good marks. I wanted to go and find him. I didn't get the result for a few weeks. And I went back there to find him. I couldn't find him. I think he'd left. When I got the cane from the deputy headmaster, he said to me, I'd been playing truant, you know, bunking off school. And I, I was caught. And he said, just before he gave me the cane, this will be on your school leaving report that you just decide to walk out when you feel like it. You just clear off. You don't tell anyone. You just go home. And he said, what employer is going to employ someone like you when it says on your report that if you get fed up or bored, you just clear off? <laughs> it wasn't on my report at all. Mind you, my school leaving report, I don't think it could have been much worse. But the thing is, now here's the thing. Here is the thing. When I went for my first job, the chap didn't mention school. I was 15 years old. He didn't mention school. He didn't ask for a school report. Totally irrelevant. He said, so, so what's your hobby? Is it TV and radio? And I said, yes, my hobby is, is exactly that. Tuning around on shortwave, trying to repair radios. I'd love to get into TVs. He wasn't interested in whether I bunked off sports every Friday afternoon and went round down, down to the park with a couple of friends of mine and had a cigarette. He wasn't interested in that at all. Actually, had I told him or had he read that that's what I had done, he would have probably said, oh, good man, yeah, you'll be welcome here. <laughs> you'll get on well with the lads here. Which I did because we used to bunk off round the cafe at 10 o'clock in the morning to have breakfast. <laughs> 10 in the morning. It was a holiday camp, my first job where I worked. They used to call it the holiday camp. On a Sunday, I was glad. Oh, Monday tomorrow, back to work. It was really good fun. I loved every minute of it. What is it they say someone reminded me the other day? If you love your work, then it's not work. And that does make sense. You know, if you really love the work you're doing and you enjoy going to work, then it isn't work. It's more like a hobby. I think all my life, my work has been more of a hobby than working. Got an email here from Jacqueline. Hello, Jacqueline. She says that I mentioned the BBC on Midweek Message on Wednesday, which I did. She says that she's totally in agreement with the, the licence fee. It seems, well, as she's put it, daylight robbery, <laughs> that we have to pay it. And if you don't pay, it's a criminal offence. But she has said, which is what uh, Gary was saying, really, why don't they forget all this other stuff, the news and sports and all that? Why don't they become a, a drama and documentary channel, which would be really good? And she goes on to say, why not have a few adverts? Now, I must admit, it is brilliant watching the BBC. There are no adverts, no commercial breaks at all. Mind you, what they do is between programmes, they'll have a load of trailers. Watch this programme, watch that programme. And that can become rather boring. But it is lovely not having adverts every five minutes, <laughs> as some of the other, well, all the other channels do. But yes, I think that would be good for the BBC if they became just known for drama, documentaries and all, all stuff like that. Spring watch, autumn watch, winter watch, whatever watch, all the things like that. And I'm sure they, if they became one of the pay channels on cable and satellite TV, people would pay to have the BBC included in their package. I'm sure that would be the case. I think the trouble set in from the very beginning, really, because the BBC, 
there was only the BBC on radio and there was only BBC on television. One channel, that was BBC. They had the monopoly and they had the monopoly for decades until ITV came along. When I say decades, I mean radio started very early, didn't it? ITV was, what, mid to late 50s. So the BBC had the monopoly. No competition at all. They could basically do what they liked, even if it meant becoming a little bit complacent. I'm not saying they did, but you know that happens, doesn't it? When you are the only one with no competition, you can basically do what you like. And I think that ITV came along, of course, then with the advent of commercial radio stations back in the, I don't know when that was, I must look that, add that to my book of look things up. The commercial radio stations started coming along and then we lost a lot of our local BBC ones. We had BBC Radio Brighton and there was one in Kent and one in Surrey we lost and it became BBC, was it Three Counties or Home Count? BBC Three Counties, I think, radio, which saved them from having three different radio stations all set up So they started shrinking, I suppose, that's the word to use, less and less radio, and they're still doing it now. And of course, the commercial stations were coming in, and they were originally, in the days when they started, commercial radio was brilliant. It really was good to listen to. And even the adverts, it somehow made the radio station, I don't know, uh, not American, that's not the word to use, it made it good, it made it more interesting, more fun, I suppose. Every now and then you'd have a an advert for cigarettes <laughs> or whatever. It was good fun. And the adverts were well thought of. These days, adverts, I don't think advertising agencies or whoever makes the ads, I don't think they've got a clue. I've talked before, haven't I, about the, is it the gold jewellery thing where they buy, sell or repair jewellery? That chap, I won't try and take him off, but, um, well, can I... If you want to buy, sell or repair jewellery, I can't do that. But you know the advert I mean. What is the trouble with that chap's voice? Why choose him? Why not have someone, I don't know, or is that the idea? Is it that he is so bad that people, well, well I'm talking about it now. I'm advertising, well, I'm not because I can't remember the company, but is that the idea that the advert is so bad that it sticks in people's minds? <laughs> Perhaps it's a kind of double bluff. Not a double bluff, you know what I mean. And that other advert with the football net, they think it's over. I can't do it, it's not now. No, they think it's all over, it's not now. (laughs) It's so annoying. That is a brilliant advert and a brilliant product. But the chap's voice, I just don't understand these advertising people. I can't do the high pitch. Well, I can never do that anyway, but I think because I'm getting over this cold, I can do it even less. The BBC were pioneers in broadcasting, weren't they? Back in the 30s, they did, was it 30? It was the 30s, they did live broadcasts from places like the Royal Albert Hall. How about that? With the technology, the equipment they had then, which was pretty primitive stuff, actual live broadcast on the radio from places like the Royal Albert Hall, a concert would be transmitted live on the uh, third programme, the classic music programme classical music. So that was brilliant to do all that. They led the way in so, so much technology, television, radio, and I don't know what's gone wrong. It is a shame. Anyway, that's probably the end of rambling on about the BBC. Find something else to talk about. It's stopped raining at last, 
and tomorrow is clear. What's tomorrow? Saturday. No rain tomorrow. So hopefully I can finish putting the linseed oil on our new garden seat, our bench. A friend of mine and his wife, they've both got COVID. I know about six people now that have got COVID. I thought we'd seen the end of that. Mind you, they have said, haven't they? It's going to be a bit like the flu. Everyone gets flu or flu type symptoms in the winter every year. And COVID's going to be like that. It's just going to keep coming back. Something we have to put up with. And a couple of people have suggested that not just me with my cough and cold, but others, perhaps that's a long-term effect of COVID. I've had a dreadful cough. Keeps me awake at night. Doesn't keep Trisha awake. But there could be something in that, couldn't there? Perhaps some after effect from COVID. I don't know. This is a trouble. It's such a new thing. No one knows. Oh, email from uh, Oliver. Hello, Oliver. He says, have you got any more new prime ministers yet? No, I think we're over that for a while, Oliver. We had a few, didn't we? A few prime ministers within a few weeks. And I think we're sticking to the one we've got now for a little while anyway. I don't, uh, as I've said before, I don't bother with politics anymore. It's all such a, it's a farce, isn't it? It's just all a big joke now. All accusing each other of lying and he did this, yeah, well, he did that, and he said this, well, he, oh, she said that, I just can't be bothered, it's like being back at school <laughs> on sports day. I remember one teacher saying to me, he took me aside after one class, they'd all filed out of the room, and he said, what, what is it about learning that you don't like, you know, why don't you want to learn? And I said, uh, I just said, I was honest with him, I said, well, I just find it boring. And he said, well, what do you want to learn? And that was it. I said, I want to learn about radio. I want to learn Morse code. I want to learn all about transmitters, radio stations, televisions, how they work. And that basically shut him up. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, you can do that when you've left school. But, you know, you've got to learn the basics. And he was right, of course. But that's what I was more interested in. All my books at home weren't about geography, history and all that stuff. All the boring stuff. All my books at home were about electricity, magnetism, the boy electrician, I think I've mentioned that book before, how valves work, how televisions work, how radios work, fantastic, that's what I was interested in, each to their own, other kids were interested in music, other kids were interested in football, you know, we're all different, having said that though, I have mentioned before, haven't I, that I do wish I'd listened a little bit more in history and geography when they mentioned the Ice Age, I was talking about that recently, wasn't I? They did ramble on about the Ice Age at school and I wasn't listening and I, I wish I had now. I do remember having to draw a map of the world or whatever it was. And we had to write, this was primary school when I was about six, seven, eight. And we drew pictures of cows in our South America. That's where beef came from. Then we drew pictures of, was it sheep in Australia? That's where sheep came from. I sort of listened to that. Well, mind you, I forget what it was now, so I couldn't have found it that interesting. We had a cornfield next to our school. Lovely cornfield. And in the summer, the combine harvester would come along and he's, he's breaking all the corn up and, oh, it was brilliant. It was a baling machine and all that. That was fantastic to watch. And I remember little mice running out of the, the field as the combine's going along and they're running across the playground. I mean, that was brilliant. You know, that was absolutely fantastic to watch. And I do remember one teacher standing at the fence with us, a few of us kids watching, and she was explaining about what's happening, you know, how it, it gets the corn up and it cuts it and it gets the 
the wheat, was it the wheat from the chaff or whatever, all this stuff. She explained it all. Uh, and I found that interesting. Of course, then we had to go back into school and they're going on about something that happened in 1066. Well, I wasn't even there, so I'm not interested in that. Mind you, I wasn't there when the Ice Age <laughs> was there, but I am interested in that. Now, what got rid of the dinosaurs? That's another thing. Oh, oh, here's something. AI, you know, this artificial intelligence. I've been playing around with that recently. And I said to it, I was trying to catch it out. I said, OK, Big Bang. And it explained the Big Bang, the start of the universe, blah, 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 is writing all this stuff. I said, OK, what happened before the Big Bang? What was it that went bang? <laughs> and it was silent. <laughs> it didn't know. So that's not much good, is it? But that's always fascinated me. What was it that went bang? Well, we know what went bang, but what was there before whatever it was that went bang? I don't know. I dare tell my son that. If I start talking about that, I get lectured. We have three hour long phone calls while he explains all this stuff to me. No, not three hour long, really. But uh, yes, this AI, artificial intelligence, it'll write. I asked for it, write, write a story. I said, write a, a ghost story. And it wrote a ghost story. I mean, it was pretty rubbish. I didn't give it enough of a, a synopsis, I suppose. But uh, it wasn't too bad. I think if you get the paid version, what is it, $20 a month, I think, then it is a lot better. So I've only got the free one. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to use it for anything. It's just for fun, you know, just to play around with it. But I do find it, instead of going onto Google and looking up something, I ask the artificial intelligence thing, and it, I don't know, it seems to know more than Google, perhaps not with everything, I don't know. I've asked it one or two technical things about uh, radio and transmitters and aerials, and it's not bad, but it does get some of the technical things wrong. It's not always correct, and you can ask it to rewrite it. You can say to it, well, that's not right, and it'll try again. It's really good fun, actually, playing around with it. Of course, it's not really meant for playing around and having fun, What's going to happen in, say, five, ten years' time? It's early days, and they're developing this all the time. And you hear people say, well, authors will be redundant. If you want a book, you just ask it to write you a book. In fact, my son was saying he asked it to write a chapter of a book, and it did. And it will write computer programs. He asked it to write a program to do something, and it did. It wrote the code, and it was 100% accurate. It worked. So that's fantastic. It'll write poetry. I asked it to write a poem. I won't tell you what about because I'll probably get thrown off the podcast. <laughs> but it'll do all sorts of stuff like that. Really interesting. If you're struggling with something, how to put it, you can ask the AI and then copy and paste that onto your page where you're working. And then you can rewrite it or not rewrite, edit it, add bits, take bits away. So it gives you a basic thing of where to start. I think a lot of people will find that useful. Apparently, some school children are using it. They're saying to it, OK, do my homework for me. <laughs> Write me an essay about Isambard Kingdom Brunel. And it will. And the teachers are saying, well, hang on a minute. This is, this is rather good. Where did you get this from? Apparently, one boy was in America. He failed his exam. They said, no, 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 you've got AI to write this. And he hadn't. Anyway, he, they failed him. And he won in the end. He hadn't actually used AI. He'd written it himself. I mean, he might have looked stuff up on the internet and perhaps asked AI, which is fair enough. That's what things are for. That's what it's there for, isn't it? You can ask it things and learn from that. 
Yeah, they accused him of actually getting AI to write it, and he hadn't. But what's going to happen in the future? No computer programmers, no authors, no script writers, no poetry. Oh, strange. Of course, some people are saying that this is the beginning of computers taking over the world and we will be slaves to robots and things. I don't know. I would love to look into the future to be able to go on a time machine only say 100 years from now, 200, not millions. Well, we won't be here in millions, but it's fascinating the way technology is going. Unfortunately, as is so often the case with technology, it's used for bad things, war and dreadful things like that. But hopefully some good will come out of it all. I'm going to get AI to write a short story for me. I'm going to give it a a decent synopsis and get it to write a, a short story be interesting to see what it comes up with. What I might do is uh, read the story. Do you only a short story? I might read the story on one of the Sunday episodes. I don't know. This, that's a thought, isn't it? I don't know whether you remember. I was looking on my list of notes and it says disco dancing. I just remembered. I should write these notes properly, really. That was from, uh, where's my, here we are, Linda. Hello, Linda. Nice to hear from you. Sorry I didn't mention it before. I didn't write the note properly and I'm not sure. I wasn't sure at all what it referred to. Linda says, did you ever have disco dancing lessons back in the 60s or 70s? Well, not the 60s. Uh, She did. She went to do disco dancing lessons because she felt a bit of a fool, as she put it, on the dance floor, just kind of waving her arms about. Sort of thing I do, Linda kick my legs around and wave my arms around, (laughs) looking like a complete fool. I did. Now, you won't believe this. I did. I went to disco dancing lessons. Must have been early 70s. It was over a shop in uh, a road near us, a row of shops. Above the shops, there was a dance studio. And I forgot exactly how I found the place or got there. I remember a friend of mine, a girl, saying... Oh, you know, you should learn to dance properly. You should take lessons. And somehow I got to this place. I don't know. I went in there. (laughs) I don't know how old I was. Probably late teens, early 20s. And I went into this place. Oh, that was right. A friend of mine had said, you'll meet a lot of girls there. And I thought, well, that'll do. (laughs) That'll do nicely. Anyway, I went to this place and it was all girls except two of us, two chaps. This other chap was really old well, I say really old, like 40s to me, 20s, teens. That was really old. And we did this dancing. You've probably heard of, what is it? Big fish, little fish, cardboard box where you wave your hands around. And there was another one. The the instructor lady said, we had the music going and she said, right, in time with the music, make out you're brushing your hair first with one hand and then the other hand. So you take your right hand up over your head and back down and then your left hand up over your head and back down and she's teaching us all these moves I remember that one and the big fish so you have your hands apart little fish bring them in cardboard box and you make the shape of a a box I only went a few times because I I don't know it (laughs) it wasn't me I couldn't get on with it I did dance at nightclubs I did dance on the on the floor and make a complete fool of myself but so were the majority of other people. Very few people could dance properly. But yes, that's interesting. I, I should have made a proper note about that. Anyone else been to 
disco dancing lessons back in the, the days of the disco. Raise rants at protonmail.com. <laughs> disco dancing lessons. That's amazing. A few years ago, Trisha's sister and her husband wanted us to do, not was it ballroom dancing or something? Uh, they wanted us to go to lessons with them. I don't want to do that. I can't do that. Stand the crow ballroom dancing? Or was it the foxtrot and the waltz and all that? I, I can't do that. I, I can't do this dancing. If we go anywhere, I like to sit down, sit at a table with my beer, watch other people dance, but I'm not doing it. Talking of which, it's Friday. You know what Friday late afternoons means, don't you? In fact, it's evening this time. So it's Trisha and myself, her sister and her husband. Four of us are going up to the club. And it's music night, live band. And they're really good, called Mama Kane. Anyone heard of Mama Kane? As in C-A-N-E. They play a lot of good stuff, a lot of 60s stuff and modern stuff. And they're really good. So there will be dancing. Trisha and her sister will dance. And uh, us two lads, lads, listen to me, lads, we're, we're old boys. <laughs> That's funny. We will sit and watch. I'm not going to dance. I will sit there with my beer. And what I do is uh, on my phone, I will get up and go to the edge of the dance floor and video them. The two sisters, the sisters drunk, I call them by the end of the evening. No, they don't get drunk. So we're having takeaway Fish and chips, I believe, yet. Yeah. Fish and chips from the chippy. Tanner's worth of chips, please, mister. <laughs> In newspaper. Happy days. And then after our fish and chips later on, we'll go up to the club. That'll be rather nice. I think that will do for now. You've probably had enough. I hope you, as I often say, I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast episodes as much as I enjoy recording them. So do email me if you've got anything to say or if you've got an MP3 or a video recording where you've put some audio let me have that and I'll play that to everyone in the meantime look after yourselves I will see you Wednesday take care bye bye for now